This week's episode brought to you by Portland, Oregon Travel Advisory and Tourism Board. The City of Roses would like to remind you that despite violent clashes between far-left hate groups and far-right hate groups, there's still plenty of wacky weird stuff to take in and experience here in Portland. Want a taco that reminds you of whimsy and science fiction? Head on down to Robo Taco. Watch out for that homeless man with a knife! What about a donut that has Fruit Loop toppings and terrifying magical undertones? Check out Voodoo Donuts. Just don't step on that giant pile of human feces. Simultaneously, we would like to reach out to political extremists who are on vacation and mention that we have one of the largest biking communities in the USA. This means you can leave your protective gear at home and find plenty of helmets, gloves, and bike locks with which to pummel your political adversaries right here in Rip City, Portland. We will fuck you up. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your panel of expert hosts each week are Dr. Bryce Hansen, who holds a PhD in spookology, and Professor David Day, the foremost expert in scare no-nos. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. I'm David Day. I'm Bryce Hansen. And today, I'm pretty darn amped for this episode today. I got to tell you, Bryce, you want to know why? Why? Because today, we're reviewing... Scary stories, stories to, to tell, tell in, in the, the dark. dark. Hooray! Mostly I'm excited about this, not because the movie was phenomenal, but because uh, it's a it's kind of a fun, it's got a fun rundown. <coughs> it's a fun thing to review. You can trust me on that. So, uh, yeah, this yeah. one, this one, like, I, it's growing on me the more I think about it. Yeah, there's it's, a little It's still room. not like fantastic or anything, but I I'm appreciating it a little more after getting some distance from seeing it. Yeah, it does feel that way. It felt that way watching it. Like I was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, this will get better with time. Uh-huh. And it didn't feel bad at the time. It was just like I don't know. It's just it's just average with a smile. Yeah. I think the one of the points that was made by someone else since I've seen it is you got to Take into account that it's a PG-13 horror movie, so this yeah. is like an entry-level, and it's pretty yeah, it's pretty decent for an entry-level PG-13 horror movie, and there's some really great sequences inside of it. The, yeah, it, okay, so there's like, there's, there's like three versions of PG-13 horror movie. You know, there's just plain bad, there's just right. fucking terrible, and then there's this, which is a, a serviceable enough and entry level uh into uh into the the genre you know suitable for preteens and teens and then you got your and then you have like the grudge which is like top tier terror but just with very little in terms of gore or or cursing or anything like that yeah i'd say for pg13 horror there's the the first one that you described that's horrible is the ones that should be R, and they neuter it. Yeah. 
to be PG-13 and it just doesn't work as that's, a PG-13? That's one option. Another option is The Messengers with Kristen Stewart, which is just just a fucking sh- terrible movie. Um, and uh, the other one that I don't think you covered in there was just kind of horror adjacent or f- more family friendly, like Gremlins mm-hmm. is kind of a Schlock. kind of that kind of area where it's it's its own film and and people like would argue whether it's a horror movie or not, but it's really good entry level. Yeah, into the genre. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get further into this. But first, you guys should check us out at our website, HorrorMovieTalk.com. From there, you can find our social media accounts, like the ones we're most active on our Twitter and and really Facebook, because we're just old men. And, you know, that's that's our that's our lane. We've just fallen into it. And it's a nice little rut that we enjoy very much. So visit us in our rut. We've gotten some direct messages over Instagram and we will respond to them. But yeah, as far as like posting things, but we feel like we feel like intruders in the Instagram world. I still have no idea how Instagram works and we do almost nothing. And we still get like, I think that's one of like compared to Facebook. I think we have more followers on Instagram. Oh yes. Facebook. Yes, we do. Which is shocking. But here's, here's how, here's how fucking old I am. I'm so old that I didn't realize Instagram was almost exclusively a mobile application. Like, people don't go on Instagram on their computer, but I do everything on my computer. And so I go on Instagram on my computer. I'm like, how the fuck do I... What do I... And so finally, I got so frustrated with the Instagram website on my computer that I viewed source... Or not viewed source, but I inspected, inspected I inspected Element and turned my my computer into a phone, like my browser into a phone, so that I could do all the things uh-huh. on, on Instagram through my computer, faking as a phone. Nice. Um, so we post new episodes every single Wednesday. So make sure to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. That helps us out quite a bit, and we are trying to hit our mark of 200 reviews or 200 ratings ratings. on iTunes. Hey, you know, I'd like to give a shout out to our latest patrons on Patreon. Oh, I was going to leave that till the mid. Okay. Let's, let's do that on the mid roll. I wanted to call out a great new podcast that's near and dear to our hearts here at horror movie called, and it's, um, you know, if you're tired of darkness, from watching horror movies. <laughs> oh, if I'm tired, blushing. If you're tired of of uh, listening to um, breakdowns of nihilistic movies, <laughs> maybe the Positivicast is for you. The yeah. Positivicast is a daily positive podcast that's very short. Uh, you can just enter it into your morning ritual. Maybe if you're really fast at taking a shit... You can listen to it while you're doing that in the morning. Um, it's They're about, like, what, five to seven minutes? Yeah, they're like three to five. I try to keep them in there. Monday through Friday, created by our own David Day. Every every single day, David Day is cranking out a, a podcast to try and make your day better. That's right. Thank you for doing that. I forgot about that. Not only is he the foremost expert on scare no-nos, <laughs> he's also the form, a leading voice in positivity. I'm just trying, like, I just realized one day that I, I had too much negative thoughts going on in my head, and I thought the best way to to try and 
make myself better was to, you know, to fake it until I make it. And it's, and it's done a lot for me, you know, it just, just talking to just talking into the air really, cause I don't really have any listeners on the positive cast, but, um, I have a couple and just getting to talk to them has been just great. It's just, and it, and it reminds me, you know, every day I go, Oh yeah, you, you run a, a podcast called the positive cast. You can't like, like, don't be angry in front of your kids. Right. <laughs> you fucking angry. Like, and so I just try, I just try and make people happy every day. And it's just goofy and fun. I talk about farts and, and I talk about, you know, how spandex is a force of positivity. It's just that kind of goofy stuff. You know, it's like, I just went through the alphabet of positivity and I did like, nine letters <laughs> and they were starting on N starting on N and it goes NWA and that was intentional <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's just something fun and and uh, and if you guys want to listen to it I'd sure appreciate a, a rate and review over there as well yeah check it out it's called Positivacast spelled like you would assume it's spelled yeah. and there's also a website positivacast.com thank you for that yeah I uh I have like, I think I have like 70 episodes recorded because <laughs> it's yep. just easy to do. Anyway, we went and saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And it was, like I said before, it was average with a smile. No frills, n- n- nothing unexpected, just kind of a middling horror movie that kind of left you feeling good. So here's the trailer. Some people believe... If we repeat stories often enough, they become real. They make us who we are. That can be scary. Eat it, Harold. Do you want to see Haunted House? Some kids went missing, so they boarded it up. Okay, we saw it. Should we go now? Who ordered the chicken? What's that? It's a book of scary stories. Tell me a story. Tommy's missing. Tommy's name was in the book. There's no way it's actually connected, right? Okay, what if what happens in the book is exactly what's happened for real? Oh, my God. Eddie! Stella! Listen, you're in the next story. We're reading it right here. It's a corpse looking for her missing toe. <gasps> I'm afraid that we woke something up. You shouldn't have taken the book. We've got to stop it. Sarah Bellows' book, where the stories write themselves and it all comes alive. The man is coming. 
Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is in theaters right now. It's nothing super duper notable, but like I said, it is kind of, there is something, there is some residue of it hanging around on my brain and it's not bad stuff. Um, it's a movie about four stereotypical kids, Stella, Ramon, Augie, and Chuck, who enter a haunted house on Halloween and find a book that has more scary stories than they bargained for. (laughs) As the teens fight bullies and work their way through early November, they begin to realize that the book they took from the house is haunted and the spirit that haunts it has a penchant for writing scary stories about the teens and their acquaintances that always ends up coming true. You know what's really disappointing about this movie is they don't make a point that it's to tell in the dark. Right. So yeah. It's just about, I mean, that's what they really missed. The whole fucking from movie the is source dark. material. It's all dark. It was, that was inferred by the darkness. Well, not, right. and I'm not talking about the early 2000s. I really wanted someone to say, this book from Sarah Bellows is full of scary stories and then turn to the camera to tell in the dark. Oh, that would have been... That would have added the little oomph that just would push it into, like, yeah. a, a one... That would have given it one full point. And for that reason, it gets a one. Right. As the teens wrestle with teenhood and their own demons, they are forced to come to terms with the reality that this book and the woman who wrote it are trying to kill them in scary story ways. (laughs) There's lots of chases, jump scares, racist cops, and nostalgic feels to be had in scary stories to tell in the dark. It even culminates in exactly the way you might think it would, which we will mention in the spoilers section. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a movie loosely based around the 1981 book of short stories of the Was same it 1981? name. 1981? I know. Holy cow. Right. I'm con- as confused as you are. Yeah. I'd, it's before it you or me. has been around that long. It's before you or me. Wow. So, but that's the original book. I think the ones that that I'm more familiar with, and I would imagine you as well are familiar with ours more scary stories to tell in the dark which was written in 84 my birth year and scary stories three more uh tales to chill your bones which was 91 yeah i think i had the first two you know straight from the scholastic right book catalog the book fair yeah Mm -hmm. that was good stuff by the way, if you're interested in in revisiting any of those books or purchasing them, I have included links in the in the blog post. <coughs> to yeah, you copied the the uh, full link here, so I'll just read it out real quick. Um, open bracket a space target equals uh, quote slash product slash. B zero zero Z Q Bryce B has lost his mind. A W zero slash. Okay, it's going to be a while. It. It's going to be about another twenty minutes. Of so, this. if you want to, if you want to head on down to our our website, or you could just go to horrormovietalk.com, click on the 
shop on Amazon button in the banner. Yeah, and either, search for it. Either one of those, but I include links in the in the post for this episode to get to those books. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're only like three or four bucks a piece, so you can get them for your kids and scare them to death. Which uh, I'm told, and reading after reading the reviews, p- people are are p- people are going back and reviewing the books, and they're like, "Holy shit! I did not remember these books being as scary as they oh, were." Oh, this the the books were legit frightening, like legit, like probably too much for. And that was when what, I was reading. It was like what, like third, fourth grade, maybe. It was it was akin to getting your hands on a porno, kind of. It right. was like a step below that. And what was really the stories themselves were pretty frightening, but the illustrations were like horrifying, truly alarming. Yeah, yeah. like Frank Miller level, um, like Sam Keith, like these top tier comic artists uh, <coughs> could hope to achieve this level of terror on paper. Like they're very impressively illustrated. Anyway, uh, the movie takes some of the stories and ideas from the book and throws them together into a mashup of jump scares and very dark sets. The screenplay was adapted from a screen story written by Guillermo del Toro. So stick with me here. So Guillermo del Toro wrote a screen story. And then Dan Hageman and Kevin Hageman, I would assume they're brothers, decided to take his screen story and turn it into a screenplay. What is the difference between a screen story and a screenplay? I don't know. What well, one was the first draft, probably, or something like that. You know, it was like, what, are we going to say we adapted? Are we we adapted a screenplay from his screenplay? No, we we got to call the first one a screen story or some dumb shit like that. <laughs> um, I feel Guillermo del Toro may have done it a little bit more service than uh, the Hagman brothers. That's just a guess. Uh, or if he was attached to this any any more tightly, that might 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 do good too. Anyway, while scary stories to tell in the dark wasn't terrible, it was only a bit more interesting than average. The plot made sense, the acting was on point, the production was pretty good. It's nothing to write home about, and the payoffs are completely underwhelming. The nostalgia was nice, but isn't the nostalgia always nice? And maybe that's what makes these nostalgia grabs so offensive to me. It works every time, and it's so <clears throat> low effort see for some reason i'm so tired of nostalgia it bothers me now i it's getting there it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me well i take that back i was totally wrapped into bumblebee the most recent transformers movie really i was done with transformers after the second one i was like oh they're really like this it's just gonna be this. this is what this is and uh you know, Transformers is my favorite cartoon ever. And uh, wow, I was given up on it because it just looks like a bunch of scrap metal. It's it's basically a higher production level of Tetsuo. Sparks and guns. And then they came out with the trailer for Bumblebee, and I was like, oh, another one. Why? No one is asking for another Transformers movie. And then stopped in my tracks. They had the generation one designs of the transformers and they're like oh there's oh my god they're all there there's starscream it's uh, the vw buck it's shockwave it's it's soundwave oh my god uh, uh, and of course i i had to see it and it was good it's probably the best transformers movie that i've seen well there you have it um so. but anyways in general nostalgia as a 
mid thirties white male. I'm I've reached saturation. I do not want Hollywood to remind me of my childhood anymore. Please, I, I think let me grow up. I think you're being a bit generous with saying mid thirties. I think you're kind of pushing late, mid to late thirties. <laughs> like, just please let us experience new stories. Right? Can the dark? Can we do anything new? Please, yeah. Please, it doesn't all have to be. That's why the '80s was so cool. It's because they they fuck it like there was so much garbage, but it was new garbage, and now <laughs> the garbage today is based on all that fucking garbage right. from the '80s. Right. Disney just canceled a ton of films that were in production for Fox because they just bought Fox. Oh, good. And they, <laughs> I think, on the list of thank you, kind of malevolent Disney of movies that were canceled were. I think the Sonic movie might be canceled. Oh, God. The, and there was a movie for Magic the Gathering and a movie for some other like cartoon or game that's like, no one is asking for this. Yeah. Stop it. Like, no one, no one even cares that much about Sonic the Hedgehog. We're, it's not like it has a huge following. It is a piece of intellectual property that people recognize that's it we're done with power rangers we're done with it all right well wait hold 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 your horses shut the fuck up my my kids still watch power rangers every day yeah your kids though i mean uh, i don't know power rangers every day i don't want to cast aspersions or anything i'm giving scary stories to tell in the dark a six out of ten. What say you? Yeah, Bryce? we're in perfect agreement on this one. It's exactly slightly better than average. <laughs> exactly slightly better than average. So yeah, I gave it a six out of ten as well. Yeah, there you go. So without further ado, I would like to thank our latest uh, patrons, who are we've got Anthony F from San Antonio. Antonio, yeah. I believe that's right. He's been featured on previous episodes. He is a uh, horror makeup artist artist that works at uh, Six Flags. I believe so. Down there. And he does some really cool stuff. What was the episode that he was on? Um, uh, I can't recall. Might have been The Perfection. Might have been Evil Dead. No, it was one that I did. Um, it was a while ago. Yeah, it was it was probably about like ten uh, March or five April. to ten episodes ago. <laughs> it's like, like March or April. Uh, anyways, he does really cool stuff, and uh, he's even shared with us some stuff that he's doing right now that we can't share because it's before it's been exposed oh, yeah. to the public. Oh yeah, but if you're in the San Antonio area or Texas in general, and you and you got a hankering for for some Six Flags spankering this this Halloween, like. He's got some crazy stuff that he's working on that's going to be featured in their horror, their Halloween horror, whatever, extravaganza. So you guys should check his stuff out down there. And also, new patron, Taylor T. Yeah, who I think we mentioned on the Midsummer Afterpod, but you wouldn't know that unless you're a patron. So Taylor knows it, but not everybody else didn't until just now. So so we really love our patrons. It's super generous of you guys to uh, throw us some money to support the show. Um, and we're any, any money we receive on Patreon, we're just going to 
put it right back into the pod. Yeah, it just it's goes... Only, it only make this better. It goes straight into paying for our hosting costs and hopefully, eventually, our movie tickets because right now we're taking food out of our kids' mouth <laughs> to go to see horror movies and then and then joke around about them afterwards. So right. it, it, our kids are like... They kind of... They don't know enough to look at us sadly, but if they did, they would. So I think the the priorities for patron income is first hosting costs second movie ticket costs and third a gulfstream air jet right because god doesn't want us to ride with all the demons in <laughs> in coach <laughs> you don't understand the demons target us cuz we talk about them all the time right so i mean You've seen Paranormal Activity. You can work it out. You can also support the podcast by buying anything on Amazon if you go to HorrorMovieTalk.com and click on the green button in the header that says buy shit on Amazon, bro. Go and buy that shit on Amazon, and then we get some money from it. And also, if you love horror movies, you should know about Shudder, the horror streaming website. If you use code HMT for Horror Movie Talk at checkout, You'll get a 30-day free trial to Shudder instead of the 7-day free trial. I hate that 7-day free trial! Oh, Fuck, you're weak. God damn, idiot. Oh, by the way, you guys, um, little little side note here. Uh, if you would, do, would you like to write for Horror Movie Talk? Do you enjoy horror movies and want to write for the Horror Movie Talk blog? Well, guess what? We're accepting new writers for that blog, and if that sounds like fun to you, I can tell you it is. Just reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter, and we will be happy to see what you got. No due dates, no forced topics, no worries, just fun. Like, it it sounds like a responsibility. My goal is to make it so that it isn't. It's just about you having fun, writing about what you want to write about it, as long as it's horror movie (laughs) adjacent or... Focused. No forced topics, but I think we probably want to approve. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll approve topics, but but we're not going to tell you what to write about like that, right? Because then how would you how would you get amped about it? Also, if you can't think of something to write, we can give you stuff to write about yeah. too. Like, yeah, if you want an assigned topic, we can do that as well. So, anyways, we just want more content for our website, and if you just have a hankering to write and need a place to stick it without having to worry about the administration of a website, just send it our way. It's been working out real well with Keith. You can contact us at info at horrormovietalk.com. Thanks again, and let's get into the show. What have we been doing this whole time? We're going to transition into spoilers, so if you guys want to go see this movie, make sure you pause it right meow. Spoilers. Uh, it's been too long. It's spoilers. Spoilers. How did we get in this echoey room? That's good enough. No. Only, Only the, the best, best will do. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> All right. It's been a while since we've recorded a. An episode. We've been doing uh, stuff in the backlogs for a while. So, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is set in the scariest state in the United States. 
Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that read sells it. I get it now. <laughs> the, mo- <laughs> the movie starts with a bully who says, let's go scare some kitties tonight, guys. But he doesn't say it like that. He goes, let's go scare some sk- Let's go scare some kitties tonight, boys. Yeah. <laughs> this is perhaps the goofiest line I can think of, and I think it teed off the movie perfectly. Both Bryce and I were like, Whoa! <laughs> So I can talk about the main bully of this movie, Tommy, for the entire episode. <laughs> it is the greatest and worst part of this movie. Oh, yeah. Is Tommy, played by Austin Abrams. And <laughs> tell us about Tommy. First of all, I don't want to cast too much dispersions on Austin. Right. He did a good job acting. And in terms of what he was trying to do, it looks like what a psychopath or a sociopath right. would do. Like, he, you oh, know he has no remorse. You kid, know that he kid could has act. no empathy. It's not on him. Very, very good. It's on the casting director. However, <laughs> he needs, like... <laughs> Two or three more years to and about bulk up and about seventy pounds <laughs> to bulk up and look not like Millhouse. <laughs> he did look just like Millhouse. Like, he looked like the small version of Ned Flanders. Yeah, it, it's just this scrawny kid has the cast as the most intimidating character in the movie, and you're just like. Yeah, but anyone could kick his ass. He's like a 16-year-old Martin Short. (laughs) It's like, what are you doing here? He's like, God. But he was constantly drunk. And, I mean, he was wasted drunk. He played that character as though he was a full-blown, like, day-drinking alcoholic. Yeah, and you never see him actually drinking. So it's mostly... Right. it's, It's... commented on or inferred right it's inferred by the beer bottle he throws at the scarecrow or his obvious slurring of speech or his gait right but the the delivery and the acting of the lines is very very over the top villain like like beyond 80s teen movie villain yeah he was he was a mate so the thing but the thing but the thing the thing that makes him so memorable is he doesn't fit the he's he's so miscast. Right. You know, in 80 any any 80s movie, he's going to be a gigantic jock right who's towers over the lead character. Um what was that movie uh with um Haim? Um uh, do you? No, I'm thinking of Feldman and Haim, Corey Corey Haim, and it uh, and he's the little kid in 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 high school. Uh, oh, uh, Lucas. Lucas. Yes. So the the bullies in that movie are are like 35 year old men who are jacked, and then there's like 11 year old Corey Haim, <laughs> right? And and it's like it's just such an obvious. Bully scenario, and this is takes it and like fucks it up in such a charming way that it's almost good. Because like they make a big point of 
his physical intimidation being part of his bully tactics and he's not physically intimidating. So they could have gone the psychological route and he would have done a really good job. Like in terms of psychological warfare, this kid probably had these guys, these, uh, these guys' number because he did act like a sociopath with no remorse and like wanted to mess with them. But a big part of the character is him walking around with a bat <laughs> yeah. and like physically threatening people, and you're like, "Wait, what?" The main, the the main uh, male lead in this could totally take him. oh hard like in an instant. Like the kid would swing yeah the, Latin, the bat the I Latin could, kid yeah the Latin kid if if uh, <clears throat> sorry what's his name again if Tommy swung a bat. At the Latin kid, the Latin kid would in a real in the real world catch it with his hand and then knock him out with his other hand. Yeah, it would have immediately. Been, it would have been no no contest. Yeah, so it starts out goofy. Hey, d- what happened? Where? Why didn't Brennan make it today? <clears throat> oh, it was Brent? Oh, he had other. I thought you said he do. was coming. I thought. I thought he was. Anyway, we'll have to talk about this. Later. Okay, um, it's, I, it's a personal thing. I can't talk about it on the pod. So the next, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was Dean Norris is the only cast member in this movie that you might recognize, and he he's a great actor who plays the main character Stella's uh, dad. And the only problem with this is anytime I see Dean Norris, I just think they're not rocks, they're minerals, Marie. If if you play the main detective in Breaking Bad, you are the main detective <laughs> in Breaking Bad, which makes me sorry for Dean, but at the same time, Jesus Christ, Marie, they're minerals. Yeah. I mean, he's only in this movie for maximum five minutes. I got maybe. some delicate geodes on the way. <laughs> did you check them for, did you check them for uh, a damage? They're rocks. They're minerals, Marie. I love <coughs> I love that character. That is the yeah, uh, uh, Asok Schrader in that show for the first like 3 seasons. I can't remember how many seasons Who's there. Who's Asok Schrader? It's Dean Norris's character. Oh, his name was Asok? No, his, that's his title. I can't remember it was Hank Schrader. Oh, Hank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Hank, I forgot Hank. Um Hank is was the most annoying character for me for the first couple seasons and then when he is put out of commission and he gets obsessed with minerals, that's where you really turn the corner on him. And you're like, wow, this guy, this guy's my favorite guy. Yeah. He's my go-to now. Especially by then you're you kind of like hate Walt. Yeah. And you like don't necessarily really like Jesse. It's so weird what goes. You, you kind of, you have sympathy and pity for Jesse, but you don't like, like him. I feel like the like the like what was supposed to happen to my emotions in that show didn't quite like it. They got, like my emotions got tied up inappropriate. Like they just got tangled like a like too much fishing line that all came together at once and and didn't you know because everybody goes you don't like Walt at the end and I'm like but you're still rooting for him right they're like no 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 and I'm like I am like oh yeah time. I would definitely was I mean that's the thing it's like he's an anti hero. You want him to win, right? But you still hate him. Like he's still like a despicable hate, character. I did not hate him. I I was really like, let's 
like let's play this out like you've you've gone this far you have to keep going right it's and that's it's probably not the best like it's just a good thing that i'm on the right path right now (laughs) you know (laughs) but i don't know yeah yeah anyway there's a few different spooks uh, going on in scary stories to tell in the dark, more than in most movies. There's a lot of different... And that's the the reason to watch this movie, is there's a lot of different, varied monsters. And and f- for my money, I'm, I've always been the guy who, when horror movies hit, I would rather not see the monsters. So inherently seeing it doesn't work for me. And if you're going to show it, Make it so astonishingly short or shocking that you don't have time to get used to it and be like, yeah, okay, this is whatever. But this does uh, have a bunch of different and varied ones, which is something. Um, And I will try to lay these out for you in a way that that doesn't really ramble. But first, so we're going to get into Harold the Scarecrow. but, But first we have to intro Harold the Scarecrow. So how do we... Do you recall how how we meet Harold the Scarecrow, Bryce? Um, had to do with yeah, he our, our he favorite like boy passes by and Tommy. Apparently, it's in Tommy's farm. Yeah, and he throws a the bully. beer bottle at him and goes, "Eat shit, Harold! Eat shit, Harold!" What was Tommy's impetus with Harold? Why did he hate Harold so much? I think in the in the movie, like when they start reading the the story in the book, it mentions how he has always hated that scarecrow because it was scary in his childhood, I think. Oh, okay. Yes. So the way... What's weird about Harold is that it literally looks like a corpse's skin wrapped around as a scarecrow. I posited in my, in my review that... Harold is the fattest, ugliest, most desiccated corpse of a scarecrow I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not sure, but Harold may be the dead body of Tommy's stepdad, who Tommy hated very much or something like that. Like, I have no idea why he looks so much like a dead person. Well, in the course of the the story, the scary story to tell in the dark, you learn that maybe... This is a series of heralds. Yes. Okay, now we're getting into now we're getting into the lore behind Harold and how he works and why he does look so scary. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, this this is one of those that has is sticking with me that I realized this is actually a pretty effective thing that I might have been a little too jaded while I was watching it. Yeah. But this movie is an excellent movie to take kids that are Probably too young. Right. You know, I would take like a 10, 11 year old to this and it would affect them. Yes. You know, it would really be strong. It would be their touchstone for like getting them interested in horror, especially this sequence because it's pretty generic sequence um, setup. Tommy is in the field and he passes by Harold and he's like, fuck you, Harold. And then he walks away and then he turns a corner and Harold's there again and he just 
Like, what now, the fuck, Harold? Now he's now so Tommy's fresh off of chasing these kids. Yeah. Chasing the main characters all around town for playing a prank on him during Halloween. Right. And so And he's, he's pretty drunk. Yeah, so he's trying to get out of the cornfield and he's just walking around in circles. It feels like a Blair Witch kind of thing yeah. where he just keeps coming to coming to the same spot and Harold's there. And it it goes probably a little too long in the setup. And then Harold starts moving, and the next time Tommy comes around, the post that Harold's on is empty, and he looks down the row of corn and sees Harold, Harold in the distance, and he starts walking towards him, and Harold's unescapable. And then, what does he do? Does he just strangle him or something? Or No, so, so Tommy starts running away, and as he runs away, he trips over a pitchfork. Oh, that's right. And as he trips for the pitchfork, he goes, oh, yeah, okay, I got this pitchfork. I can defend myself against the scarecrow. Scarecrow comes up on him, just snatches the pitchfork right out of his hand. Well, Tommy stabs him and does nothing. Does nothing because he's a scarecrow. Harold takes a pitchfork out of himself and stabs him all the way through the body. Right from the back to the front. Through a scrawny, scrawny (laughs) little bully body. And, uh, And then as... Tommy's running away, all of a sudden, like, he's coughing up hay yeah, he starts- from his mouth. And that this is the part, that this, the one scene that actually I think is really great in the movie. Out of all the, the scares, this one and maybe the dream one are, are the, the best ones. But Tommy is running away and he's coughing and more and more hay is coming out to where he's like choking on hay and hay's coming out of his ears and stuff and he turns into Harold. Right. He turns into Yeah, he comes down with straw man syndrome. Yeah, it's really The effects of straw man syndrome include coughing up hay, having hay come out of your fingers, and hay fever. So and then um if you don't have it treated, you turn into uh you turn into a scarecrow. Yeah, and then later on in the movie, we get a little bit of a close up of Harold, what we think is Harold, but he's wearing Tommy's jacket. So now you know. The more you know, don't go near scarecrows, and especially don't hit them with beer bottles if you're drunk or baseball bats. The way he and this is another endearing part about Tommy because if you recall, when we are first introduced to Harold, the scarecrow, Tommy's just beating the shit out of him, just. In front of his friends, right. like to impress them or Just something, <laughs> and his friends are standing there like, eh, "You got, you got him, good Tommy. You hit that scarecrow." Can you imagine doing a more boring thing with your fr- just looking at your friend? Yeah, being if like, you're in high school and you're like, "Look how hard I can beat this scarecrow with my bat." Like what? Uh, what? You let's go like get some slurpees or something. What's the matter with you? Anyway, so that's that's the first of the spooks is Harold the Scarecrow. The second is more of a um, is more of the 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 main antagonist, I guess you would say, who is Sarah Bellows or the ghost of Sarah Bellows, who is the author of the Scary Stories book. Now, the kids, in their attempt to escape from Tommy, run into. No, not in their attempt no. to escape. They, they, it's they, like a known haunted house right. that they break into. They do and, escape Tommy, and then they're like, "Let's go do something fun. Let's go break into a haunted house." Oh wait, we skipped over the whole <laughs> setup. So it's sorry. Rewinding the movie starts out on Halloween, and Tommy is the known bully, and this group of three friends 
Stella and others. Who are the two others? Chuck and Augie. Chuck and Augie go out trick-or-treating, and they have this whole setup where they're going to get back at Tommy, and they prep a bag full of poo and, like, Halloween eggs, bags, you know, and eggs and stuff. And so they play a prank on Tommy, and then Tommy's, like, coming after him and is going to kill him, supposedly, with his scrawny little arms. And they run into a drive-in movie theater that still existed because this was the 60s. Yeah. Very quaint. And they jump into this Hispanic kid's car. Yeah. Ramon. And that's the setup for them meeting. And then they're just best friends for for the rest of the movie. It's clear that Ramon and Stella got a thing for each other. It's just such a weird, weird, uh, I feel like this hackneyed thing. It could have been made much more. It was like, it could have been like, get out of my fucking car and who are you kids? And then try to like really try to come up with a reason why this kid is still hanging around these other three. Well, they bonded through adversity, Bryce. This is the way people become, right. This is the, this is literally the way people become friends is, is you face a challenge together. And in this case, immediately following the kids getting in his car, the most terrifying bully on the face of the planet walks up the car with a bat. Yeah. And then just for some reason, Stella's like, let's go to a scary house. Hey, come on. You're a sexy young man. Would you like Which, to accompany me to a haunted house? Yeah, I guess so. A sexual house of sex. So, okay, so they go to the they go to the house and it's spooky and then they discover a secret room uh with this book from Sarah Bellows. So, but the the idea behind this house, this is the old Bellows house. And the Bellows are the founding family of this town, Mill Valley, Pennsylvania. Um, And Sarah Bellows is the ghost who wrote the book. And she was also, she was also, as a a live person, she was a little different, a little off. Yeah, she had some kind of disorder. No one ever saw her. But the rumors were that Sarah Bellows would lure kids into the house by telling them scary stories and then she would murder them and write in their blood or something, something like that. Something evil. Uh, something. Yeah. So here's here's the thing with this movie and my main beef with it yeah. is that they're expending all this effort to create this overarching storyline of Sarah Bellows and this book and this device to create yeah. scary stories. Yep. And it's really kind of the least interesting part God damn, of the it? movie. It's so boring. And they're trying to set up the whole scary stories to tell in the dark universe. At the end, it's such uh, a hit, send-off hit to the second the one. Yeah, you're yeah. like... And then, sequels. Yeah, it literally says to you, and there'll be more. Do not worry. Yeah. So, the... The whole idea of like we got to create this lore around it and this overarching story, it's going. It's already it's old. Tr- it's it's already old from yeah. from this movie. I think the better route that they should have taken, and I'm actually I actually wonder if. Well, yeah, the route that they should have taken was just the creep show route, which is just make an anthology vignettes. Movie. Yeah, just, just give make me- a bunch of shorts, and you don't even really have to. 
try to tie them together Don't. other than just like if you know what if you made a if you made it a series of short stories or vignettes and by happenstance a few of them did tie together that's just icing on the cake that makes it just interesting and fun you know but instead they had to make this cohesive it has to make sense all together with the kids and the and and in 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 doing so in making it make sense all the stories intertwining so closely together they just made it boring yeah cuz if you think about it the fact that they put all these scary stories on one device which is the book the book is the source of the scary stories and right the scary stories happen as they're written in the book yeah well then it's a pretty easy problem to solve which is you just destroy the book or figure out how to stop the book yeah and that's like the storyline which is also not impressive or interesting but if it's just a series of shorts and and different stories, it's much more off-putting because there's no explanation. It's just a series of unexplainable and unknowable and terrifying things that happened that now you know about. Yeah. It's like a little bit more of that cosmic dread of the unknown is injected into your soul other than just, oh, this thing is happening, so we need to stop it. So the kids steal this book. And uh, and they they run it back home, and then and then we got the next baddie, which is the tow lady. The tow lady is basically a corpse who has con- who has had some of her body parts inserted into Augie's chili slash stew by th- the ghost of Cerebello's writing in this book, and and the tow lady herself is the least scary part part of that short. The scariest part is him actually eating the toe. Yeah, it's, putting putting the toe in his mouth. From the a, kids are like, "Don't don't eat the chili that you're about to eat," because they're reading the book as 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 he's yeah. at his house eating this toe. Yeah, but I really like chili though. And then this toe pops out of his mouth, and then the toe lady chases him, and uh, and he gets pulled under the bed, bed never to be seen again. Uh, the French, and uh, and. Ah, the French. <laughs> and he ate that toe. He ate that toe. There was an eyeball in the stew. It was spooky. All right. Uh, it wasn't. It was. It was nothing too much. Yeah. Then then the next story is, or the next spook, is the red spot. Um, Chuck, who is the com- comedic relief in this movie, and who's just charming, just a charming character who's played very well by, by this young actor, um... His sister finds what looks like a pimple on her cheek before a date with dun 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 Tommy the bully, uh, the jerk. He's a real jerk. And a few days later, right before she's going, I mean, on, this guy was a real jerk. Yeah, a few days later, right before she's going on, she's going on a date at school. She attempts to fiddle with this pimple. She kind of pokes it. And prods it and uh and spiders come gushing out of her face which i found delightful because yeah, this is this is my fetish <laughs> <laughs> out of out of all the stories in the original book this is the one that i remember <laughs> oh is, really this is the best one and it probably has one of the best illustrations mm-hmm. in it mm-hmm. and 
one of the good things about this movie is that it is pretty faithful to some of the illustrations, yeah. in it, especially the the dream one, the red room one. But this one wasn't. They went a different route and made it like the super prissy, um, like cheerleader girl get this. And I think in the story, it's kind of this horrifying, gaunt, yeah, weird, dark haired lady. Somebody you might assume would have like, a pimple, s- like screaming. And uh, it's one of the more effective stories in, in the collection. And it kind of falls a little flat. I mean, it's interesting, but not as interesting as I remember the story. Right. And the the pimple that they do, the makeup for this is, great. is so over the top. Crazy it's like, over oh, the top. man, they should have they toned it down a little. I loved it. Like, even if it was like a large pimple... Like just like an actual large. I'll pimple. tell you how it this would have been more believable, but it was literally the size of a small plate on her face. I'll tell you how this happened. Somebody in the studio was like, "A pimple, huh? Tell me more." And they're like, "Wait, what?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, man, I'm on uh, the R slash popping, and you know, I just love popping." Then Doctor Pimple Popper, she's on Netflix, and mm-hmm. oh, it's great. And they're like, "Whoa, this is a whole lane." All right, let's just 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 fuck this pimple out. Anyway, so spiders come blasting out of this girl's face like a fire hydrant and it's hilarious and uh i i loved it because at first it looked like an ingrown hair and i was like yeah let's get let's get that hair out of there yeah anyway so uh and then we are introduced to lulu baptiste who is an old black woman who plays no part in the movie at all other than adding diversity to an all-white and one mexican cast adding diversity while at the same time like injecting some uh, solid racism, yes, into it because that's right. Her only purpose in this movie is to be the one that taught Sarah Bellas about <laughs> voodoo or whatever. It's like, oh, we need a black person to teach voodoo. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's uh, why was she there? She uh, played no part at all. She, well, she's going to play a very important role in the extended universe of scary stories. Here we go. There we are, and that's the answer. Um, following the red spot and Lulu Baptiste, uh, th- we have the red room, which I thought would be more impressive than it was. And I thought it would work better than it did, but boy, they just didn't really try very hard. Uh, this is one where the, the design of the monster or the, mm-hmm. or the, the spook overshadowed is, everything is really, the most faithful adaptation from the illustration of the book. And it's really, it works well effective. Like the best part is the design of that, um, lady that comes and and chases after him. Like, again, the, the setup is very plain. He's just in a series of corridors and he can't escape. Let me set everywhere he turns. Let me set this up a little bit. When the teens decide to find out more about Sarah Bellows, the ghost, to hopefully save their own skin from this book that they can't seem to get rid of, it's Chuck's turn to go, the comedic relief. Uh, His sister just got the red spot, so it's time for him. Uh, Chuck finds himself in a lockdown situation in the insane asylum where the records for Sarah Bellows are presumably kept. Uh, In this lockdown situation, the lights are flashing red. He's running down this seemingly endless series of of red-colored halls, and a strange girl who looks and acts like something straight out of a Studio Ghibli movie walks at him 
down these long corridors. And she just looks kind of happy, but also yeah. like the most morphed out, like weird like if you're, if ectomorph you're, of a person. If your daughter drew a <laughs> a picture of your wife yes. when she was like age two... Where she thinks that oh, that people only exist as one big head with a two legs on it. Yeah. And then they adapted that into an actual person. That's kind of what she looks like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she scares... She chases him down the hall and he, she's unescapable. And then um, on both sides of him, like, she hugs him or something. And then gets she, the, the kid gets absorbed into her, which is cool. It's effective. Like it's not scary to me. It's just underwhelming. The, the setup is underwhelming. So like the actual delivery is like yeah, whatever. Yeah. But the design of the of the monster is great. Yeah, the design is great. It's just a it's just a lot of the way this movie works is, it, there's just no sincere payoff. <laughs> you know, it's it's a spooky idea, and then there's there's no follow up on mm-hmm. it. And then finally, we have the jangly man, who is the heavy hitter of this movie. And the two remaining people, uh, we got Stella and we got Ramon. And they are put in jail for breaking into the insane asylum. And uh, the racist cop who put them in jail has them behind bars. And Senior Jangles comes down the roof... Uh, in pieces, he she shows up as a head. Just a head rolls down the the chimney, and the police officer's like, "The fuck is that?" And he starts. He just unloads his gun into this head, <laughs> which is a great scene. That was great. And then all the rest of the body parts of the jangly man come come falling down the chimney, and then he just they all pull pull each part pulls itself kind of coalesces towards. into a a a one j- just. If if there were like a picture in the dictionary under body horror, the yeah, the jangly yeah. man would be that picture because yeah. he's just a contorting, crunching mass of bones and flesh that just is continually reorienting itself in horrific ways, and and he has the ability to fall apart on demand. To to yeah, if he gets stuck, he he just his all of his limbs just pop off and then. And then, uh, you know, he chases him for a while in the way that, you know, it. this movie ends in an epic chase scene in a car right. running away from the jangly man. And You know um, what I didn't realize until, uh, until, I guess not super recently, but in terms of, like, film around the world, the chase scene is really an American thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, 70s. The 70s kicked it off. But just even like foot chases, just chasing in general is like, it's almost in every American movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think international audience are like, oh, this again. Dang, they just love chasing. I'm like this again. Like, can we stop with chase scenes? Fuck, man. Um, Another note to make that uh, needs to be made is... This movie commits to the deaths. So up to this point, I don't think we made it a big deal, but like, there's actual kids that die. It's a PG-13 movie, but... Yeah, Chuck's gone. Augie Chuck's gone. is gone. Tommy's gone. Tommy, Augie, Tommy. are Augie. disappeared. We don't see them, like, murdered or 
dead other than Tommy, but Augie and Chuck, the two two of the main characters of the original trio, are just are dead, literally disappeared. Are dead by the movie's admission. The movie goes at the end. They're like, yeah, they're they're dead. Yep, they're yeah. still dead. And uh, uh, it's very effective because at the end, when it's just the last two, and it's Stella and Ramon being chased or in these situations, there's actual stakes. Like, oh, they could actually die. Right. There, There is a feeling of there is no such thing as a as plot armor in this movie. And, uh, and also, since you know neither one of them are known actors, it's not like they couldn't kill them off and use someone different in another sequel. Right. Whereas if it was, if the main character was like, um... Scarlett Johansson or something or or who am I thinking of if it was Jennifer Lawrence that was the main character you'd be like well no she's not going to die they're going to build a franchise off of her right and uh, that's not the case in these movies so at the end yeah Jangly Man is chasing after Ramon and uh, they Stella and Ramon manage to make it out uh, thanks to Stella's quick thinking because she figures out that she just needs to convince Sarah Bellows's ghost that she'll write her story for her and she'll tell the truth that Sarah Bellows wasn't a monster. She didn't kill children. It was her family that killed all the people because of poisoning the water well in the There's stream. a snake in my boot! Somebody's poisoned the water hole! She was going to expose her family as poisoning the community and then her family had her... Had her electro shock snuffed, snuffed out, and and uh, all right, all right, all right. Like we've done enough to tell all, all that stuff. Who cares about Sarah Bellows' story? Yeah. I don't care at all. Final recommendations: While scary stories to tell in the dark wasn't bad, it just wasn't great. It was pretty by the books. Holy <laughs> 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 God! The movie you would write. This is the movie that you, you, yeah, you would write if you were tasked with writing a movie based on the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. If no, that sounds I like wouldn't. I would have just done the stories. If it's that fun. sounds like fun to you, give it a whirl. Otherwise, in the words of Bart Simpson, meh. <laughs> what do you think? What are final recommendations for this? Um, I'm going to say this, is, this would actually be a good horror movie to take your kids to. Yeah? Like this... That that's where I can appreciate this, and two my kids are too young. My oldest is six. Um, it's still too scary for them. But if you've got a kid that's into, you know, scarier things, the macabre, the macabre, like definitely take them to this movie, and I think you could enjoy it together. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a passable movie. It's slightly better than average. Um, There's nothing in it this depends, movie. It depends on how much you want to see a movie, I right. guess. If you want to see a movie this weekend and you would like to see a scary movie, sure, go see it. And it's got a great lead-in. It's it's if you ha- if you get one of these books, go to uh, go to the post for this episode and uh, and click through the link on our page. Uh, if you get one of these books and read it to your kid, read one of the stories, they'll be like, "Wow, this is." weird and yeah. dark and yeah. now you got to lead in into this movie which is significantly lighter than those stories right right so yeah i mean go see it but also 
it's uh, if you're just curious about it, but you don't really want to spend movie that uh, money on a movie ticket. Yeah, you can wait till it comes out on video, and it'll be a good watch. You know. Yeah, and with that, that's our that's our review of scary stories to tell in the dark. I wonder, could you intro me into it? Came from social media. Um. Sure. Just. Yes, it came from social media. To fill the world with terror. To bring you unforgettable suspense. (coughs) What was it? Where did it come from? Who were the all-powerful creatures it brought from social media? And what did they want on Earth? For those of you who don't know, uh, we are big fans of talking to you, our fans. And if you reach out to us on social media, we are excited to talk to you. And um, and while I don't I don't have all of the uh, the conversations that we had this week in front of me, I would like to um, mention a shout out to Kimberly Good, who wrote to us and said, oh, my God, I was having a really crappy day. And I listened to your review on the movie The Perfection, which I believe we recorded with uh, Greg from uh, he was from We Shouldn't Be Here um, YouTube channel. And she says, I am now LMAO. You guys are so hilarious. Keep up the good work. And being a female fan, I don't mind the burps. So take that, Dana. We love you too, Dana. But honestly, uh, Kimberly, thank you so much for reaching out to us. You made my day great. And uh, and we just really super duper appreciate it. Keep Keep talking to us. We want to know what you like. And Is it bad when... I find it surprising that someone finds us funny. I know. it's Yeah, um, it says a lot about us. I think I have a good sense of humor, and I know that like, I probably wouldn't find the things that I say that funny. <laughs> How <laughs> fucked up is that? We so, both, we both so, have some serious um, self-esteem issues. Right, so, right. So it's, uh, it's really... It's, it's more. It's not. I would say it's nice because it is. But more than that, it's confusing and delightful. Right. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you think I'm, you you think I'm funny? Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? That's why. That's why in the intro we say it's an accidentally funny horror movie review show because we couldn't even say that we are funny people. We couldn't yeah. even say that. We we had to because. <laughs> That's we too writing, much of a promise for us to make. When we were writing that intro stuff, we were like, uh, I think it's a little bit. I think that I mean, maybe a little. Want, we don't want to say that we're funny. Well, and, because, and it's like a little disingenuous to say that we're funny. Like, how presumptuous is is that of right. us? Because like, it's not. Yeah, it's hard to call this a comedy podcast because we try to have fun and be funny, but it's not. We don't sit down and try to write jokes. Right. Although I mean, other than other than the, I mean, Brennan, he's but he's good at that stuff, right? Um, so thanks, uh, Kimberly, and uh, and also Dana, who doesn't appreciate the burps so much, but uh, but we love her anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, let's get into taglines. Here's tagline. I 
just realized I have no taglines. You don't have any taglines? <laughs> that's okay. We can use all my taglines because my taglines, I have five of them, so that's enough. Okay. And and I didn't write any of them. I just recorded them. Oh, this is the the uh, David Day tagline classic. These are These are the taglines that we have available today. So like it or lump it. Here's the first tagline. Scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> That's Ned Flanders in a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> because, the musical, yeah, the musical. Because the main character is named Stella. Come on, you guys, you get it. Yeah, you putting me through hell. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Want to hear a scary story? Once upon a time, there was an evil, insane maniac. Bart, why can't you tell the story with the lights on? Okay, you little babies. I can't find the light switch. It's gone! Scary stories to tell in the dark. Simpsons-themed taglines. Get ready, because it just doesn't get any better from here. Bryce is Bryce is immediately uh-huh. regretting this decision. I like it when the joke is based on the visual joke. They, but they narrate better. the whole thing. I thought about that, and he was like, I'm going to turn off the lights. I can't find the light switch. It works. All right, all right. Such an idiot. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Everybody come see. Once upon a time, there was a psychopathic strangler on the loose in a dark house. They couldn't see him, but they could hear his breathing. Maggie got too scared and she was choking Bart to death. That one may have been, have required the visual. So, but... But the see, th- this is the thing with Simpsons references is that all of these are playing through David's head exactly. I have at all times, <laughs> so he's it's like the short code language for yeah. David is he. I'm pretty good at Simpsons quotes. Like I'm, I was pretty inundated with Simpsons quotes and and watching the Simpsons. You, Bryce up. Hansen, but uh, David will say the most obscure. Things like, it sounds like normal conversation, and then I'm like... That's a little bit off. Is that a Simpsons quote? He's like, oh yeah, it's this this episode where he does this and this. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a real... It's like, it's, it's like I wasn't socially awkward enough and needed to engineer something into my life. To make me have a tick. Yeah. What's the James Woods one? Like, what's the what's the last line in the James Woods? Fucking cheese. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. You'll say you'll say that with no context. Fucking cheese. <laughs> stop screwing around. With hey, me. stop screwing around over there. <laughs> okay. Now I'm gonna play me, and you play you. I'm me. Don't. Jerk me around. (laughs) (laughs) Scary stories to tell in the dark. It was dark. All was silent. A 
And then they heard it. The sound of the crafty vampire sucking blood from the neck of his latest victim. Listen. That's Maggie sucking on her pacifier. Mm-hmm. So these were all from these weren't from any Simpsons episode. These were all from what is it, the Tracy Ullman show? Oh really? Yeah. Like the original. Wow. Which which uh I'm less familiar with, but I did remember these. And uh and I think was that the last one? I think no, there's was. one more. Oh, okay, there's one more. Scary stories to tell in the dark. And now for the scariest story of all. Once upon a time, three little children sat shivering in the dark. Suddenly, they heard footsteps. Listen, you can almost hear them. Coming closer and closer. And then the footsteps stopped. It was margin. Homer. Okay. I'm so sorry. I've failed you all. My love of The Simpsons has blinded me to... David, this is radio. (laughs) It's not radio. So stupid podcast, idiot. Don't worry. We'll we'll put this on on YouTube. Oh, and then we won't have the video. Oh, yeah. No, the Tracy Tracy Ullman show, uh, no one owns that. That's for sure public domain. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to syndicate that one. Uh, we'll include links to the, the oh, clips, right? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. I suppose <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> I wasn't really going to go to that amount of effort. Well, it's just one, right? Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. Jeez. Really loading up uh, the workload on David, giving him one YouTube video to oh, upload. You guys, I'm so <clears throat> tired. So today, here's here's a little bit of a intro into what will be the afterpod today. Uh, today, I'm going to the Vancouver Brew Fest, which I'm very excited about to get my own day drinking on, just like Tommy. I'm gonna get in there and ugh, fucking Harold bleh. And uh, a couple of my friends are going to go, and we're going to get loaded, and then we're going to have a barbecue at my house. And uh, one of our patrons, who is my personal friend, uh, Brad, can't go. He can't make it, which I'm super bummed about. And I want you to know, uh, Brad, that I'll be thinking about you as I'm getting super hammered. Brad <laughs> delivers the beer that I drink. So, <laughs> so I'm sure he'll, you know... and. You know, I mean, if you're the delivery driver for beer, you have a pop or two after work, obviously, you know, you just load up. And so here's here's to you, Brad. I'm sorry you can't make it, but uh, we'll talk about it plenty in the after pod and also the things that have been happening in our life, which include a tremendous cat urine smell in Bryce's (laughs) (laughs) and a flea infestation to beat the bag. Yeah, well... We're horrible, dirty people. So, well, I wouldn't say that. It's getting it's getting quite acceptable in here. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. The, just so you know, any patron of the show gets access to patron exclusive content, which right now is mostly after pods. We just keep the mic running it's after like the episode. Twelve so. or thirteen podcasts. Yeah. So if you uh, really like the show and, and you just can't get enough of the weekly show you can uh, become a patron and 
check that out. Also, we'll be doing just random one-off extra content. I think something coming up that we plan on doing is um, talking about the miniseries It from the 90s. Because we're going to be doing an episode on It Part 1 and It Part 2 when it comes out. So very shortly along with that, we'll watch the 90s miniseries and the uh, patron exclusive content's a really good place to do that. We'll talk a- about it during the the uh, it one and two episodes, but um, yeah, we're, we're still coming up with ways to create exclusive content for our generous, generous patrons. And with that, that is our show for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to us if you're new. If you're old and haven't subscribed to us, what the heck are you doing, guy? You're killing us over here. Give us a review over there on iTunes. Check out our website at Horror Movie Talk. Browse through Amazon on our website. Become a patron. We love you very, very much. We appreciate everything you do for us. Reach out to us on social media, and most importantly, and I do mean most importantly, share this with your friends on social media because that is how we grow. It really, really, really is, and it makes a big difference. Thank you so much for listening. Even if you're not a patron, I'd like to invite everyone to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts you don't even have to leave a review just click on the stars and that would really help us out yes and so have a great week and we'll see you next time bye bye bye